These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. The biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. This is the great American motorsport. Drag racing. Prove me wrong. I'll wait. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. How about that intro? I think this is my first time I've watched it all the way through, and I'm like, man, that's really good. Anyways, hey, thank you guys so much for joining us here on the show. As always, please remember, click like, click subscribe. If you're watching along on YouTube, join the channel. Uh, we're about to break 10,000 followers or 10,000 subscribers, I think, today. So huge deal. We got about a half million of you, though, here on Facebook. So click like, click share, help us spread the gospel of drag racing. Quick shout out to all the companies that make this show possible each and every week. Of course, our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils, Stroud Safety. The racers club and uh what is there another one? Oh, flow racing oh my goodness i almost forgot the the guys and gals at flow racing had a great call with them earlier in the week shout out to the whole flow racing camp we we went into the world series of pro mod this year wanting to kind of re redefine or reset re reestablish the standard uh, when it comes to production value in drag racing. And I think we achieved that there in the first weekend of March. So huge shout out to everybody that supports the show. Thanks for being a part of it. We got a big one for you today. Uh, in just a little bit, about a half hour from now, we will be joined by the one, the only Alex Taylor, drag and drive star and rising television star uh, who is on the cover of Drag Illustrated issue 181, our annual Women of Power special issue, the 11th time we've done a Women of Power special issue. One of the most celebrated, talked about, exciting issues of the magazine we put out every year. I challenged our team earlier in the week that we need to turn this into an event, a happening, a cultural happening here in the drag racing community. And I think we are achieving that. Uh, it's the talk of town. It's so proud of this year's uh, selection of women that I really don't know their role, I don't know that it can be overstated. I mean, whether they're racers themselves, uh, operate as part of a support system, members of the industry in, in many different ways, media members, tuners, hands-on mechanic types, and, and everything in between. Can't say enough about the incredible women that are involved in the sport of drag racing, and we're proud, very proud, honored, humbled, every, everything that can be said about rolling this issue out each and every year. So anyways, we will be joined by Alex Taylor, who's on the cover of the magazine this month. In just a short little while, we also have to go over the NHRA Winter Nationals, the third stop on the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series Tour, as well as the PDRA East Coast Nationals, the season opener for big-time door slammer drag racing out there on uh, at Galat Motorsports Park in Benson, North Carolina. But before I get any further along, let me introduce my co-host here on the West Buck Show, the one and only Mike Carpenter, JT Hudson. What's up, boys? We doing good? What's up? Good, man. What's, What's up? Yeah. Do I do, let's let's touch on this real quick. How much better does my camera look? We got an upgraded camera for oh, for, yeah. for West this week. It, I think it looks better. Yeah, man. I mean, bringing out those skin tones, <laughs> the the shirt choice, 
and the skin matching that the <laughs> bold move, man. But it looks good. Oh my god. JT's going for the late St. Patrick's Day look. Or is that it's a ma- master's, it's master's week, it's baby? Master's week. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's master's week. Okay. So hey, let's talk about that because I, I was following along a little bit and Master's Week. What we need to come up with a name for World Series of Pro Mod Week. Maybe that's what it is. But <laughs> we we need to build around that. I, I yeah. that's what I think happens next for our event. Is how can we turn that entire week into more of a happening instead of yep. just Spencer, Thursday, Spencer Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the, but the entire week. It's to choose a menu. We have a chicken's <laughs> yeah. dinner, and it's well, gonna be, be, be ma- what what yeah. what did, what did uh, Canadian bacon, maple, <laughs> yeah, with a side of maple, maple syrup. syrup. With All right, some here, other Canadian here it is. food. I, I don't. I'm, I've run out of the Canadian bacon. Molson, is probably not even a Canadian. Food. Molson beer is that this right? This is a great idea. Yeah. Real quick, so let's actually turn the party on Thursday night into the Champions Dinner. Maybe like I don't want to totally step on the Texas Motorplex's idea because you guys remember we were all three there uh, last year at the Texas Motorplex Champions Dinner, and it it is modeled after the the Masters champions dinner so i don't want to totally steal their concept or steal their shine i'm normally not above that but couldn't we do that on thursday night and turn the thursday night racers welcome party into like let spencer pick the menu or something or pick what we're going to eat turn it into something that spencer's got a hands on if that makes sense at all his favorite drink or something there you go yeah okay yeah Yeah. spencer just crown royal the the menu (laughs) crown royal yeah maple maple Crown Royal Maple, right? Crown Royal Maple, unbelievable, guys. So, hey, Uh, um, real quick, thanks, everybody, for being a part of this deal. Jason Chapman, you're a badass, too. Again, guys, click like, click subscribe, click share, help us spread the message. So, you guys, where do you want to start? Do you want to talk – do you, you want to start with the NHRA, or do you want to start with uh, PDRA uh, door slammer stuff? Where do you guys want to start today? Oh, that's a tough one. Up to you guys. Uh, Let's do NHRA (laughs) first. All right, we'll talk about the NHRA first. So, uh, no – dude – I'm still struggling to get used to seeing the winter nationals in late March. I personally think that event may need rebranded. Uh, I just don't know yeah, it's, that it's it, not fluent. It definitely it, seems like a, a bit of an afterthought is of moving that race, but not necessarily renaming it, but you do have a, a ton of brand equity in the winter nationals, but clearly we're, we're out of winter at this point. Right. I mean, that's a tough deal. And it's, it's probably, I heard many references to it. Actually, Alan Reinhardt made a reference to uh, a sportsman racer whose daughter was getting married. I think it was a sportsman racer. It may have been a different class. Their daughter was getting married uh, this weekend, so they weren't participating. So they had someone else in the car. And uh, he was like, you know, who's who? what racer's daughter schedules a wedding on over top of the Winter Nationals? He said, but in all fairness, they probably didn't think that the Winter Nationals were going to be in late March. So. It's it's a a different yeah. thing for everybody to get adjusted to and 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 I, and I wonder you know they've got a lot of investment a lot of things going on with that track with uh, In and Out Burger they kind of rebranded recrafted that whole that whole place so they've got a little bit of uh, incentive to to make that deal work and we'll, we'll see I, I've I've heard the In and Out people are hands on with it and trying to make it work um, so we'll, we'll see where they go from there but they've had two barn burners to start the season. I mean, I got to be honest, I we talked about JT and I talked about this a little bit in a, in a what kind of took off a little bit of a rant uh, of mine about people piling on and, and loving to spread negativity. 
but I was massively impressed by the crowd in Pomona. I mean, there was a lot of people there. NHRA was sending out photos to the media, and there was people, there was a hell of a crowd. So despite being 2023 Southern California, all these things kind of working against you, I feel the NHRA was well represented this past weekend in Pomona, California. And I don't know that anybody involved in our sport, whether you're tied to the NHRA or operate in some other part of this uh, program, heads held high right now. It's a, I mean, it's that, a perspective thing, too. I mean, I don't know the seating capacity difference between Pomona and Phoenix, but you maybe could have taken that Phoenix crowd and put them in Pomona, and it looks just like what we saw this weekend. It's without talking to the one and only seating capacity guru brett kepner uh i don't i don't have any facts and figures but again we talk about the venue that place still has a ton of seating pomona does so even though they had half of it the right side uh, right lane side uh covered up with with banners and graphics it still holds a ton of people and how does that compare gainesville actually holds the most i know that and is always at capacity so it's hard to even compare to that event but compared to some of these events that like we're going to next uh two weeks from now or next week uh, next weekend actually vegas you know the seating capacity and and are you are you getting a bigger crowd in a larger venue or a smaller crowd in a smaller venue vice versa uh it, it's always hard to tell yeah i'm i agreed and we run into that all the time because you take a crowd you know like we had on hand at the world series of promod and you plop that group of people down you know, at some of these mega venues and it probably would look sparse. So you have to keep that in mind. But I agree. Three races into the NHRA season, three home runs, incredible start to the season. My concerns, actually, I don't know that I really have any about the NHRA series as a whole right now. It just feels like they're for something that's been around for seven decades. It, it does feel rejuvenated, like there's a renewed energy amongst the competitors, amongst the fan base, amongst the series officials. I just feel like this is a high tide moment for the NHRA. Past, I'm excited to see of, it. Yeah, you know, the past couple of years, they've been they've been hot, you know, and the competition level has been there, I think. And and everybody stepped their game up. And then I think these, uh, you know, we're seeing we're seeing different winners. I think that maybe that helps as well. You know, where someone's not running off with the class. And for sure, helps, for sure. You know? However, we except, may, I mean, that's a great Justin segue. Ashley. Yeah, Justin great Ashley's segue. Killing it in uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, in top fuel, man. Plus, well, he's, he's got on that, last week. You yeah, know, you so get I mean, that yeah. you get that West Buck show bump, yeah. man. And I mean, yeah. there's no telling where you can go. I did some math over the weekend. Actually, Chat GPT did some math over the weekend, but an <laughs> average reaction time of 043 for Justin Ashley. I, I asked him right here on the show last week, like, what's the secret sauce? And he, he kind of talked about focus and consistency and all these things. But I do think it's worth mentioning that the dude goes back to back three races into the season. He's got the lowest average reaction time. If you, if they can continue to keep this marriage alive and well of him killing it behind the wheel and the car running at performing at a high level, they are going to be a problem for the foreseeable he's future. He's probably got a little chip on his shoulder, don't you think? I think after, so too. You know, after last year, I mean, yeah, he had you have you have to be let down by that a little bit. Yeah, um, he had a you know. he had you know kind of a I don't want to say epic collapse, but he was sitting in the catbird seat for the championship, and then it just all fell apart. So I'm sure he came in this year, guns blazing. Yep. Agreed. I'm just I'm happy for him. I think he's he's coming into his own. I believe also as like a character and a speaker because I was worried that he was getting like too polished. And it was it it wouldn't I've seen that happen yeah. before oh, yeah. where guys get like too rehearsed, too polished. But I felt like right here on the show last week, he really kind of, you know, let loose a little bit. And 
we got to see a real genuine kind of version, the authentic Justin Ashley. And I think he's keeping that going. I mean, here's the, the, the truth is that he is a polished guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. that's how yeah, I mean, he yeah. is. That's yeah. how he behaves. So it's not like an act. I've seen other people try to try to put that on and it doesn't come off as genuine. Right. It's like, OK, listen, yeah, quit rehearsing in front of a mirror. Right. You guys um, are super polished. And then you hang, have to hang out with me every night. Right. JT knocks are polished. True. Yeah. Get your polish down, you know, do you up a little bit. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, man. I, I look at the I think JT makes a valid point because. You know, Steve Torrance out in round two. We, we haven't seen much out of Mike Salinas since the first race of the season. Uh, now, granted, that wasn't long ago, but I mean, Justin Ashley, uh, Austin Proc. I mean, I think these are going to be some names that we're talking about throughout 2023. Obviously, Brittany Forrest, Steve Torrance, those people aren't going anywhere. We definitely saw the Coletta Motorsports cars. They've made the turn. I feel we're seeing those cars perform. Sean Langdon, J.R. Todd, Doug Coletta, those Coletta, Mo Coletta Motorsports cars now being tuned by Alan Johnson. I think we're seeing now the performance we expected last year. Uh, they will. There's no doubt in my mind that we're going to see them more so in the mix than they have been for How a while. How about tough weekend for J.R. Todd? Oh, my man. Man. That was a that's a rough Boy, one. That, he said, he said basically, this is one of those weekends where you just wish you'd have stayed home. I mean, and he said he would do anything like I'll drive parts, I'll do whatever, I'd help these guys. I mean, yeah, that's that's you ain't drag raced if you haven't had a moment, you know, had a weekend like that, in my opinion. I mean, not maybe funny cars spontaneously combusting or another <laughs> yes. funny car hitting you at 300 miles an hour, but like those weekends are not totally uncommon for those that have like fought the drag racing battle for a long time, you know. But my goodness, that. The situation with John Forrest that made the hair stand up on my neck. I'm going, oh my goodness, this that was completely sketchy. Car loses traction way down, uh, way down there, darts over into the other lane, and I, I, I feel that event or that happening could have been a lot worse than it ultimately was. Oh yeah, it, but what? Uh, yeah, Jr. needs to. I don't know what he's going to need to do because that was, you can't ask for much worse of a weekend. Then first you gotta get round, back out there. You got to yeah. get back out to yeah. the next race, man. I mean, Quick Vegas can't possible. come fast enough for him and that team, but, and how about, let's talk a little bit about pro stock. I think we're seeing a little, some new faces or not new faces, just some new, some surprise faces. We, we saw Dallas Glenn in the winter circle this weekend, Cameron Caruso, number one qualifier coming off of her win. And then to me, Matt Hartford, uh, he he went to the semis, and had a had a arguably the car to beat uh, in that in the event at Phoenix, and then went out and run it up uh, last weekend in Pomona as well. He's had a hot start to the season, so just seeing a little bit. And at the same time, I think uh, especially Erica Ender's uh, tough start to the season for her. So between this is kind of this is kind of how Elite started last year. Yeah, yeah, a little you bit know, of a slow start. Know. But Erica, no, I mean, no, but no, she last, did. No, no, not last year. Last year, they, I mean, they were pretty dominant all year, you know, but came out and, you know, came off a year where she didn't, where she, where Erica right, didn't right. The it. year prior was a yeah. little bit slow, but she had yep. the, she had and the then, deal in Gainesville last year. That was, that was a rough start to the season. And then a uh, little bit of a slow start you, this year. I as got well. a bunch so of, it's, it's opened the door. I was just saying that that, her dominance last year just sort of set us up to think, you know, it's Erica or bust. And now her struggling to start the season has kind of opened the door for some other people to get in there, get some wins, uh, gather some points and make it interesting this year. Uh, Matt Hartford, to your point, Mike, best lever in the class right now. I ran the math on uh, who had the lowest average reaction time, three races into the season in in eliminations. 
counting people that have been in two rounds, uh, at least two rounds of racing. And Matt Hartford, his average reaction time so far this year is an 025. I mean, there's Dallas Glenn right behind him, Aaron Stanfield right behind him, Greg Anderson right behind him. Um, it, it feels to me that that KB racing team is operating with something of a chip on their shoulder. Like, and it's not just showing up in how those cars are performing on the racetrack. I mean, cause we've seen big speeds from them. We've seen, you know, like you mentioned, Camry Caruso getting her first career, number one qualifier this past weekend. Uh, or excuse, yeah, actually, second, this past actually weekend. I think it was her second. Oh, wait, it was she got second, one last year. Yeah. In Houston. Right. Yep. I think maybe in Houston anyway, second of her career. So KB is clearly making, I think what we're seeing is this weird, kind of dynamic where is there such a thing as like a championship hangover perhaps i mean i, I not or that or the chip on the shoulder I well mean, it, and i mean because it, it really reminds me of last year well you know, it's the it same really pattern does. you yeah, you had kb win the title greg won the title come out erica's dominance got the chip on her shoulder and, and not just erica the, elite was mm -hmm. you know i mean i think tj had what back-to-back -back wins and I but mean, these guys these these two powerhouse teams the, the kb deal the elite team it's a pendulum it doesn't swing very far because we're talking about pro stock. We're talking about thousands of a second, but the pen, you know, one, one team goes back to the drawing board, comes up with something, get, gets a, you know, 10 finds 10 horsepower or something. And it, it changes everything until the other team starts to find something. And it just seems to swing back and forth. And it, it makes it interesting. Uh, I think Greg for us in the media that. and fans. I think Greg talked about that a while back on the show, you know, that maybe we rested a little bit too much, you know, after that year and, and they found something and, you know, I mean, I think he, he, he alluded to it. Yeah. It's the ebbs and flows of yeah. the way professional drag racing, I think oftentimes works. And I mean, you see it in other sports, but that's a great observation in my opinion that you had Greg Anderson win the championship and do it in relatively dominant fashion. I mean, he probably should have had an even better year than he did based on how well the car was performing. Well, he came out uh, to start that year. If you remember at our race guns blazing, man, I mean, he yeah, was, he had the car blazing. to beat literally from, preseason literally so he comes out takes the championship does it in dominating fashion and then to your point elite answers chip on their shoulder operating uh with really feeling like they have something to prove there's this history component all these things five-time world champion potentially erica enders looks dominant you know after a weird start in gainesville that first race was a little odd where she lost on a whole shot, made the quickest run in the history of the class, lost on a whole shot, and she was super devastated about it. But she rebounded immediately and went on a tear, a near historic tear, in my opinion, as was. far as rounds historic, went, yeah. round wins. Um, obviously historic in the fact that fifth world championship, but I think Greg Anderson's the only person to win more races in a single season uh, in pro stock. Yeah. Anyways, and now we're seeing the tables turn here in 2023. So, you know, honestly, I, I hope they all hear this, but they're really doing a great job for the sport of drag racing. If it weren't for those two teams, I mean, the pro stock would be in a, in a really, really odd position. So I, I'm here for it. I'm here to watch the, the pendulum swing back and forth. I'm here to see uh, what unfolds uh, throughout the course of 2023, because it seems like the rivalry, it's, in, it's only intensifying, right? I mean, it is, we had the staging drama, that whole situation, and obviously some tempers flare, feelings hurt, all those things. And we're going to see that carry over throughout the rest of uh, the season, in my opinion. This, we saw some of that, didn't we, this last weekend? Uh, yeah, I think more people are paying attention and more people are, <laughs> hey, I'll try it. You know, yeah. I mean, 
Shit. 100%. And I think you got it. That's the thing that I get frustrated when our sport kind of shies away from these little bouts of controversy. When it happens, let's just accept it. Let's, let's, it is what it is. We talked about this last week, Mike. You missed it briefly, but could you ask for better drama on track, kind of clean cut drama? Most sports, when they get drama, it's something real bad. Somebody's going to jail. You know what I mean? There's some big catastrophe. uh, Drugs are involved, whatever. In our sport, you know, knock on wood, by the grace of God, when we have drama, Camry took too long to stage. Or you know what I mean? It's it's stuff like that. Or Manny Bajinga and Chris Thorne get into an epic staging duel and it gets everybody a buzz. And Th- these are good pieces of drama, good, right. healthy controversy that our sport needs more of. I actually had, uh, not to get totally off topic here, but I had a conversation with Manny yesterday and I told him, I said, don't stop. Drag racing needs cowboys. Like that's in cowgirls. Yeah. We need that's what our sport needs more of. We need people being willing to own those roles. Uh, so don't stop doing it. Don't let you know somebody getting their feelings hurt or someone getting their feathers ruffled change how you're going to behave out there on the racetrack because we need more of it, not less. I truly believe the start of the 2023 season has been as exciting of a start to the year as I've seen nearly 20 years in the business right? 20 years of earning my living in the sport of drag racing. And I don't know that I've ever seen the, the tide higher overall than it is right now. And I can't help but believe some of these little controversies and some of these budding rivalries, and that's all contributing to where we're at right now as a sport. So anyways, guys, real quick, before we, uh, we got a big special guest here in the in the green room, and I know we have limited time, so let me pay some bills here real quick, JT. I want to remind you guys that each and every episode of The West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top-quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seatbelts to fire suits and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com today and make sure you tell them we sent you... Guys, uh, we haven't gotten to dive into this too much, so we'll do it as she arrives. The brand new issue of Drag Illustrated Magazine, issue number 181. Let's give it up. Come on, 181 strong. Let's go. We're sure we're going to make it to uh, 18, but here we are. Sure as hell wasn't positive we were going to make it to two. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, if there were ever darker days than that, I'm not sure what they were. But I I thought, man, we may be the classic one and done deal. You know, this may be it. But here we are, 181 issues later. Lifetime subscription. Get your lifetime subscription. Yeah, that's probably what put us over the top was the <laughs> lifetime subscription offer back in brilliant. 2007. Brilliant. Yeah, and about brilliant. put you down a little later. <laughs> it did. It still hurts, to be honest, to this day. Questionable decision on my behalf. But, hey, I stand by it. For the 11th time, Drag Illustrated put together its special issue, uh, our annual Women of Power issue. This is something that is a, a real labor of love because I don't know, that, like I said, to start the show, the involvement, our sports diversity does not get talked about enough. Like it is perhaps our strongest suit. How many different people from different walks of life and different backgrounds and different races, ethnicity. I mean, all these things, sexes, ages. I mean, it's all is equal behind the wheel of a race car. And that's the magic of our sport. In my opinion, where else are you going to see people like Melanie Salemi doing battle against people like Jason Scruggs or Tommy Franklin or Jay Cox, right? I mean, it's an incredible thing that's happening. I'm so, so proud of it. And we do our damnedest to showcase 
this strong suit that drag racing has with the annual Women of Power issue this year on the cover of DI-181, Dragon Drive star and rising television personality, the one, the only Alex Taylor. Let's give it up. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. I know you've got a gazillion things going on at this point in time. Um, let's just, I guess let's get right into it. I mean, did you ever anticipate this? I mean, I know you're a second generation racer. You've been around this stuff your whole life. Um, and your dad, you know, obviously builds cars and has a, has a, a, a business in racing. But did you ever think that this was going to be something that you could pursue as a career and earn a living doing, Alex? Uh, no, it's kind of a complicated question because um, the only thing I ever knew was automotive. And so I grew up in, you know, the shop. My mom and dad ran the business together. And so that's the only lifestyle I knew. So it wasn't until like 16, 17, 18 that I realized I'm like, man, I love this. This is my life. Like I got to figure out how to make a, a career. Uh, and so I went to school for marketing and all that and just, you know, got my college degree with that because I was like, I want to make it, you know, automotive based. Um, but I made a post yesterday. And I remember when I was part of the 2016, the second class for the 30 under 30. And I remember when you guys unveiled the cover and it was a member from the year prior. I was like, man, I wonder if one day I'll ever be, you know, do enough to be on the cover of the magazine. Because like you have to, you know, like that you have to earn it. You know, you have to have a reason to be there. It's like so cool to be a part of it in general. Um, and so that's when I was like, will I ever do enough? You know, I'm like, whatever, 18 at the time. So I had, you know, you, there's so many unknowns. So to answer your question, no, I didn't anticipate it or expect it. I just loved what I was doing and hoped that I could stay in it for as long as I could. And it's just snowballed. <laughs> well, I can relate because I, I remember like barely making it through high school and like walking out into the world, let alone college. Um, I threw in the <laughs> towel on that pretty quickly, but I remember feeling that same feeling, Alex, like I want to go drag racing um, and I that's all I want to do. So I'm going to have to find a way. And I wasn't like a welder. I wasn't a fabricator. You know what I mean? I wasn't I, I didn't have those skills. Um, and I knew that I was going to have to kind of find my own way. And by the grace of God and a, and a bunch of other things and people here we are today. It's an amazing thing. But I can totally relate to that situation where it's like, man. This is what I want to do, but there's really not a, a clear-cut path to accomplish it. I mean, I was going through this before we started the show, Alex, and by being on the cover of the Drag Illustrated Women of Power issue, you're joining a, a group of people here. This list, I mean, it gives me chills to say it out loud. Uh, Alexis DeJoria, Lizzie Musi, Brittany Force, Haley James, Megan Meyer, Melanie Salimi, Jasmine and Gianna Salinas, Callie Mills, Camry Caruso, now Alex Taylor. I mean, that's a really, really cool thing. I mean, does do you have any sort of like, does that stir up any emotions uh, in you when you hear your name mentioned alongside those ones? Absolutely. But it's one of those that like, it doesn't necessarily feel real, you know, until like you look back and think about it. Because it's like, you know, I see the pictures and sentiment and things like that. But then to hear it alongside that list and I have to stop and take myself out when like, I remember uh, Lizzie's cover. Like I, that's a, when I was trying to think of how I wanted mine to look, I was like, I loved her cover. Like that's just something that's stuck out in my mind. And then Callie's when Callie had hers, like, you know, so I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I remember that made an, an impact or, you know, like the cover that I was talking about, I believe it was Johnny the year that. Yeah, it was Johnny. Had, um, Johnny yeah. 
And so it's like those covers, I remember from, you know, being the outside looking in on that, how impactful those covers are. And like, to me, seeing those other people and, you know, just a host of other, you know, so many people that are on the covers um, that I look at, I'm like, man, you know, it's impactful. And so it feels weird when it's you thinking about being on the cover, because, you know, it's a different perspective. And so I try to, I've, reminded myself how I looked at those people on the cover and I still look at people that come out on cover issues and I'm like you know that's really cool they're doing something really cool and so it's hard for me to put myself in that in that position and think man I'm doing something cool you know because I'm constantly (laughs) like what's next what's next um but yeah to answer your question it's one of those to join those names and to, to be alongside those people and to see have seen what they've done like it's uh surreal actually to know that I can be on that list as well so well, we're very proud to have you on there, Alex, and we we truly believe you wouldn't be if we didn't think you deserved it. And I'll tell you, one of the things that we're proud of at Drag Illustrated is we feel like we're one of the only places that exist in our sport where all of y'all are lumped together, right? I mean, our yeah. sport's very clickish, right? I mean, and, and that's kind of natural. I don't know that it's a bad thing. It's just a thing. And you've yeah. got the Dragon Drivers, you've got the radial folks, you've got the no prep folks, you've got the pro mod people, you know, the, the nostalgia folks, the sportsman racers, the big money bracket racers, right? <laughs> There's all these different communities. And what we're proud of when I roll through that list of, you know, DeJoria, Musi, Force, Haley, James, Megan Meyer, I mean, it's top alcohol dragster drivers, it's funny car racers, it's no prep kings folks, it's motorcycle racers, it's pro stock racers, it's street outlaws and Dragon Drivers. I mean, it's, I love that eclectic mix because that's what when we started drag illustrated i didn't want it to be one of those things where you had to be sponsored by the u.s army or castrol to be recognized like everybody's spending all the money they can everybody's working as hard as they can and everybody that i encounter in this sport has a story to tell you know and i i don't know that it matters where you you know what tickles your fancy as far as going racing what kind of car it is excuse me everybody's got a story to tell. So we we're genuinely excited to have you uh, join that uh, women of power alumni. Let me ask you this, Alex, your life has changed dramatically. Uh, You're out on the West coast filming TV shows. We're interrupting a day of filming right now. Um, What, what is next? You talk about what's next. I mean, do you, is there I we saw you dabble in radio versus the world race in pro 275, I think a little bit ran some three second passes in the eighth mile at over 200 miles an hour, which is absurd. Uh, you made some six second, 200 plus mile an hour passes in the, the family hot rod on sick week this year. W- what is your racing career? Like what are your aspirations of, away from the camera look like at this point in time? So that's one of those where the question of what's next, what's next is, almost one of my least favorite questions. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a bad question to ask, Same. but when I personally think about it, um, because the thing I say is like, if I set a goal so stiff and like, you know, I'm, my eyes are on the goal and that's the only thing I can focus on. I know I'm going to miss so much other stuff along the way. It's like with Bumblebee, the, the pro mod, the radio versus the world car, I would have never driven that had I not been doing an NMCA shootout with our 55 like that opportunity wouldn't even happen so I, that's an example I like to tell people is because it's like of course, one of the things that I wanted to do um was drive a promont that was on my my list that's like something that I really wanted to and if I had only been focused on that I don't think it would have happened at the time that it happened um so everybody's like what's in five years I'm like I don't I don't know I don't know what tomorrow is you know and I like that I'm okay with it it's just I know what I love doing 
And I know that I love all these different aspects of the industry and I know that I want to keep learning and growing. And so I trust that I'm going to set up stuff where hopefully it opens opportunities to continue happening. Um, But on the driving side, something I do know is that that's really what ignites a spark in me. You know, drag racing is one of those that I, when um, Nate was asking me questions for the issue uh, for the article that just came out, he asked, he was like, what hat are you most proud of? And I'm like, being a drag racer, you know, like I don't get to compete as much as I would necessarily like. And I always question myself. I'm like, am I doing it enough to consider that? You know, where do I actually fall? But it's one of those that I know I want to build another car. I know I want to go faster. Dad and I talk about like what class or where we want to go. If we want to keep doing drag and drive or if we want to switch and we want to go like race more competitively and things like that. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just know that I'm not stopping. You know, I'm not at a point where I want to stop or slow down. I just want to go faster and find that next place. And I don't know what that is yet. What do you make of the drag and drive scene uh, right now? I mean, obviously healthy, I think for sure. But one of the things that we've talked about here on this show is a potential for like oversaturation. Like there's so many of these events, it's growing yeah. rapidly and that's all like super exciting. But you do wonder at some point where it's like, okay, are there enough cars? Are there enough people? Is there enough fans? Like, is there enough interest as a whole to, to keep all of these things healthy? Um, Cause you raise a great point. What is the class that your car competes in? You're so the 55 Chevy. Now that they've changed the rules, um, I fall in unlimited iron. So it's like unlimited, okay. but it's um, you can still have a still body car you have to have still body um so that way it's a little bit heavier class so the right. 55 now when we first started it was unlimited but it wasn't as competitive there because that's where you have bailey and schroeder and stuff like that um i don't know i feel honestly and it's probably a controversial you know people probably feel one way or the other about it where dragon rides at it is healthy there's you know magazine you know bailey has his magazine now there's I think 20 plus events. But with that said, I don't feel like there is enough cars like drag week, for example, it sold out in 30 minutes. That's the slowest it's ever like, you know, in, in years that it sold out. And I just feel like, you know, now you have people, you have drag and drive starting in February now with Tom. And so drag week's not even until September. So it's like, the amount of cars, like you're taking a week off of work every time. And it's just the time dedication, the the wear and tear on the car and the fact that the car has to be so specifically built to compete there. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But seeing Drag Week not sell out as quickly as it has in the past, I find that interesting. So I don't know. I, I think that's really insightful, Alex. I appreciate the, your candid uh, response because I know that it is kind of a controversial take. Like everybody gets up in arms about these things really quickly. <laughs> but I think there's some truth to what you're saying. One of the things that I've looked at is maybe they're going to, you know, they being, you know, the drag and drive masses. I almost wonder if we're going to have to to find a way to steer more of the the attention toward mm-hmm. some of the slower cars. Like let's build some stars in, you know, the class that like a CTSV Cadillac would be in or right. a late model Camaro or Mustang. Cause you can clearly build stars. I don't know. I mean, the, the list we just named off of women of power cover features, you know, it's very, I don't think you have to race in unlimited. I don't think you have to race against Tom Bailey or, or you to develop a following. You know what I'm saying? Like let's no, turn no. somebody with a street, like a, a nine second street car into a superstar, you, you, you know, I mean, you just have to have that balance. And that's something that I found interesting. Like, don't get me wrong. I think it's healthy. I think it's growing. I think it's, it's in a good spot right now. It's just that when it's a, it's a lower 
I don't want to say that wrong. Like you can enter with anything. You can enter with such a wide range of cars, kind of like you're saying, you can enter with a 14, 15 second car all the way to a five second car, you know? And so I think it's one of those, it's interesting because instead of having like, you do have classes that you step up in. However, like you have 15 second and five second cars racing at the same time. So you have people that are sometimes new to drag racing coming into something where there's people that are vet veterans, so to say racing. And so figuring out, you know, getting, it's like training grounds right there where it's like how the event works and runs and things like that. And so it's just like, there's such a wide mindset of how the event should be run and things like that, you know? So that's something that I think is probably the most difficult thing right now um, because you don't want to run into a situation where it's overruled, you know, that that's kind of my take. And that's something that I saw kind of with sick week. It's like, well, that's not a rule. That's not a rule. That's not a rule. It's like, well, wait, 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 we, we don't want to overrule ourselves into non-existence. You know, like we just got to find the right balance of like keeping true to what the dragon drive stuff is while not putting it too much in a box. But um, I, I think there's, that. I think there's a way to bring people up and make them stars, you know, and I think people are doing it. Um, there's just, there's not that many fast, you know, the unlimited cars that are competing, you have Bailey and Schroeder and, you know, such. So if we saw some more of those entering Goldstone, you know, Steve Morris, it's just, that's a small handful. So that class, you don't see a lot of new people coming into that. So. It's really an interesting thing because I think that the, the drag and drive movement was built on the back of those, you know, the Larry Larson's and Jeff Lutz and then that whole deal. And then Tom Bailey enters the fray. And at that point in time, you had like three heavyweights, you know, and I think that they created a lot of interest. uh, And that has I mean, I, I I almost wonder if it would be cool at some point in the future for the drag and drive deals to. Uh, what's this? What do you say? Uh, Like kind of what we did with World Series of Pro Mod, where go enlist the talent, You, you know, don't. Don't let it be a come one, come all, or or however many entries say, hey, we're bringing out these five guys, and we're going to focus all of our energy on these five guys. And it's going to be, you know, these dudes are our dudes, and we're going to celebrate them all season long, and we're going to follow what they do. Does it make sense? Like, instead of, like, hoping people show up, more be like, hey, listen – I don't know if money has to get involved or what has to happen, or I got to tell you, and I'm, I got to be weary of like wrapping up my, or uh, airing out all of like our conceptual secrets or whatever, (laughs) but man, it's true. Everybody wants what no one else has. Like, you know, if you turn some people away or say like, Hey man, we sold out of, we were only taking six unlimited entries this year, Mm -hmm. you know, or we're only taking four. I, I really think that they may be surprised how much that drives the bus. Because people are yeah. like, oh, shit, I want to be one of those four. I want to you know, be one, uh, you know, I can't have it, yeah. No, and I, I agree. And that's one of those things where I guess I'm trying – was kind of what I was alluding to where it becomes a little bit complicated because you have, you know, say you go to, say to an NHR race or something, top fuel and, and funny car and stuff like that is the draw. So to an extent – I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing sportsmen. That's no, what I makes the event the event but i'm just saying for the person that's coming maybe for the first time that's the draw that's what you know everything's covered on um and so unlimited and like those fast car classes is kind of what drag week is also you know that's the draw you know they advertise tom bailey's five second car or dave schroeder's car and so 
it's one of those of hopefully finding an understanding where by promoting those those guys that are that are fast and things like that you're not taking anything away from somebody who has a 15 second car or a 12 second car you're not taking anything away you're just helping to like hopefully help the event grow and progress as it moves forward and like take those people that are in the 15 and they'll slowly progress and go faster and so i think it's just finding that understanding of you know highlighting those people while trying to make sure those under that are in the different classes understand Agreed. that it's not negative. It's a positive. Like we're trying to help the sport grow or that's part of the sport grow. I agree wholeheartedly. It, it is. I mean, it's none of these things are easy, right? It's not an easy <laughs> thing to solve a couple of things here, Alex, that I just want to run through. What's it been like? I mean, you're working at hot rod magazine, like motor trend. I mean, these are like iconic brands that have been around what since what seems like the beginning of time yeah. um i know that the the hat you love to wear is race car driver but man you really seem to be embracing the role of a tv personality we saw you at the dodge last call event fantastic job um wh what do you make of this kind of new turn in your career i i mean i do love that as well um and it's something i hot rod is just as a brand is um it's so important to me uh you know seeing that drag week was a hot rod, you know, that's a hot rod creation and things like that. It feels full circle for me to get to work for hot rod when my racing started in hot rod. Um, yeah. And so it's just, it's one of those that's surreal. And to me, like it is a legacy brand. We're celebrating 75 years this year. We're working on some really, really iconic cars and we're doing a land speed car as well to celebrate like the beginning of uh, you know, Hot Rod Magazine and what they actually initially covered. We're doing a, a 32 roaster with a flathead and stuff like that. And so getting to like tell the history of the racing and these projects and the way stuff has grown and, you know, history of this car, that's something I really like because I just want to make sure the industry and the automotive culture continues to grow. And I'm, you know, on the young side of it. And so I'm still learning, you know, I don't know anything by far, um, but I love getting to learn and share that and be on the show and share that and working for a brand that just carries so much weight. Like it's such a responsibility, but it's also so cool to be able to share, you know, my take and knowledge and stuff and learn at the same time. So it's so cool. Uh, agreed. 100%. Iconic brand, 75 years. I mean, that's hard to even <laughs> really wrap your head around, right? I mean, it's, it's it to be that visible and that significant for that amount of time. I mean, some of the most successful businesses in the world only last 20, 30 years. I mean, seriously, I mean, there's like a, I, I can't remember what the stat is off the top of my head, but how many Fortune 500 companies are only really relevant for like 20 or 30 years? So to right. be an outlier like that, a company that's been successful for set over seven decades, it really is an incredible thing. So let me ask you this. If you were to win the lottery, right? And like, would you have your dad build you a tube chassis car, like a pro mod? Because like, I know he could do it. Right. Has he thrown that around? I mean, we've talked about it, you know, like that's something that we have discussed. Um, and we're for sure going to build another car. It's just what that car is, you know. So, yeah, right. I mean, if I went lottery and money wasn't a question, we could do any engine combination and have spares and backups and this, that and the other Then, like, yeah, you know, of course. So right now it's finding that balance of budget and speed and class and where we can go and be competitive. And I don't know what that looks like, but. It's funny. I remember walking into that little um, restaurant that we went to on sick week, yeah. not this year, but last year, that little one on the water, right? Yeah. And we were all sitting at that table. 
And when we were walking in uh, and I like fell in love with your pops, like I seriously, <laughs> I have like a, a, a crush on him and we were walking in there and he looked at me and he goes, man, I don't think we would be happy like pro stock racing. He was like, we just <laughs> like, we like the grind, like we love the adventure that drag and drive racing represents. He goes, I think if I brought a car to the track and like knew that more than likely it was all going to go fine and we were going to make three qualifying runs and you know best case scenario for elimination runs he goes i think he goes i think i would be bored out of my mind um i, I don't know that you can ever take him out of that drag and drive scene he's built for I, it. I know he he gets tired you know because like we'll be in the middle of it and he's like geez can't something go right but everybody is like that you know <laughs> right but uh when we did the, the deal with bumblebee and he's just having to sit over there and twiddle his thumbs. It's this, and then it's this, and then it's the pace. And then he's like, can we go home yet? You know, and like, he's kidding, but it's funny because he's like, he's bored because he's not having to do anything. So we have considered the option of doing something where it's go to the track, set up and not have all these made up rules, you know? Cause like, that's the funny part about when you think of dragon drive, it's a bunch of made up rules that we're all following. Like it's the Bible basically, you know, like we follow it <laughs> right. like this and it's like, you go to an actual race and then you're like, wait, that person can walk into my pit and help me. Like that's, a, right. that's, a, that's okay. You know? And so it's one of those, I think we want to try different stuff, but I don't think we can get away fully. And I, I don't want to, you know, get away fully from like the dragon drive. Cause it's such a different adventure. Um, you know, and it's just such a, it's a different community. The, the people that are watching, they're so, everybody's so hardcore and they just are genuinely happy to be there. So, I mean, I don't want to leave it by any means, but. <laughs> I, I, t I totally get it because it, it really is a unique thing. It, it's still to this day, one of the coolest things that I, I hate that it took me like so long into my life to, to go experience that, like, or get like a big bite, you know, and go do several days of it and see how the community interacts and the way everybody kind of rallies around one another. And obviously it's competitive and there's always exceptions to that rule, but it really is kind of an amazing thing to see, like pulling into the local ice cream shop and there's just people everywhere. I mean, uh, cars on projects or whatever, you know what I mean? In the parking lot of a Dairy Queen. It's just a cool, cool thing. So, um, so last thing, the Dodge last call event was, so reading the cover story in Drag Illustrated, this issue, it sounds like you weren't even totally familiar or aware of what you'd really gotten yourself into with that event. Um, I wasn't there, but I did watch a ton of videos from it. What a production, right? I mean, were you <laughs> shocked? I mean, the helicopter thing, that was huge, no doubt. But I mean, yeah. just like the TVs and pyro and lights. I mean, what a deal, eh? It was insane. Um, and, and I'd never done a live event before, not like that. And so it was funny because they called me while I was working at Hot Rod Garage and I'm like, walked outside and I'm just pacing back and forth. And she was, she's our, uh, kind of like our in-between, they call it a talent rep, but whatever. She works for Motor Trend. She handles stuff like that and correlates those things or sends that to me. So she calls me, she's like, Hey, do you want to come to the Dodge last call event in Vegas? I'm like, well, yeah, duh. Like what's the catch, you know? And she says, uh, you know, do you want to work with Dodge for it? And I was like, yeah, but I, she knows I don't want to do anything if it's EV somebody's going to shoot me on that. But I just didn't want to, I, I, I didn't want to, you know? And so that's yeah. the only thing I was like, if it's not EV, then yeah, if it is, then, you know, I need to hear more about it. So she's like, no, it's not, you'll want to be a part of it. And I'm like, okay. And so like this thing, like we didn't really hear much about it. Didn't hear much about it. Finally, like it comes up and I know nothing about what the car is. They don't, they know that like, we can't tell you any details. You can't see it like nothing. So I'm like, okay, this is like really weird. Like I'm going into a test 
and I haven't studied, but it's not my fault. <laughs> um, and so we're kind of like the week of, we start to become in contact with the production, the guy that's running the production. And he's sending like these different run throughs of like what the timeline is going to look like and all this. And I'm like kind of panicking. Cause I'm like, I don't even know how to read this. Like, I don't know how to read the schedule. It says toss here, throw there and all this. And I'm like, do I speak up now and say, I don't know what I'm doing or am I going to freak everyone out? So I didn't say anything. And so then like the day of the event comes up and they hand me this sheet and they're like, this is the final version. But in case the helicopter can't take off, here's the second version. You need to have this person here for this interview. You're going to have a voice of God in one ear. You're going to have the production on the other side and like all this. And I'm like, is that what they referred to it as the voice of God? Yeah, that we're, like we're working that into our program moving forward. Somebody yeah, listening on my team, figure <laughs> out the, the voice of God and I want it to be mine. So, <laughs> so that's like, awesome. I'm like, guys, I know. And so I'm like, I don't know what I'm, I still don't know what I'm doing. And so like we do our sound test. We don't get to do a run through. And so they're like, there's going to be a helicopter pyrotechnics and we're not doing a run through. I'm like, still, I'm like, guys, I don't know what I'm doing, but I don't want to say anything. And so like 20 minutes before the event, I'm like texting David Freiberger. I'm like, hey do you have a couple minutes to talk to me? <laughs> he was like, yeah. So I went up and I'm like showing this paper. I'm like, how do I, what do I do here? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't even know how to read this schedule. What do I do? And so like, he's coaching me. He's like, you'll be fine. I'm like, okay. So I go out there. I've never dealt with like the voice of God in one ear and the production in this year and trying to read lips like that. And so at first I'm like trying not to talk. Like I'm like, my voice sounded very slowed down. And then I called Jay Leno a ghost, like all this stuff. And so it was one of those, I really realized I got myself into something. I didn't know what I was doing, but I really enjoyed it. And I feel like that's where you grow, right? A hundred. I mean, Hey, by all accounts, I think you did a great job, including calling Jay Leno a ghost. I don't know that that's like really inaccurate, right? I mean, it's like uh, the ghost of talk show past, I think. What, could have said. what happened, though, was they came through on one ear and they were like, um, said they said, like, bring up Jay Leno or something or introduce Jay Leno as our special guest. And then the guy that I was interviewing says, yeah, the black ghost. And so, like, my brain just mixed it. And I was like, and our next special ghost, ghost. Jay Leno. And I was like, I just said that. That's embarrassing. But anyway, nah, you, you did it right. You just own it, roll with it, you know, <laughs> and that, that's what you do. Yeah, I think you did a fantastic job. I really they I got to tell you, I was blown away by the level of production at that event. Can you tell like who was the audience there? Like, I thought it was really cool the way they did the grandstands and like had yeah. it sectioned off. I think motorsports drag racing specifically could maybe learn from that. Like instead <laughs> of allowing people to just you know, sit wherever they want across 7,000 seats. No, you're all sitting right here together. Well, so it looks good. They did a great job of that because at first the event, they had racing, just drag racing happening during the day. And um, it did not look like there was going to be a crowd. And it's like, you guys are getting ready to do an unveil and there's not anybody here. And then like, by the time it came around, like, I was like, these people, I guess were here and they're just hiding, you know? And so everybody came and sat and I was so impressed by the crowd, so impressed by the production. And that's something that I think Dodge just does so well is they're just over the top, you know? And it was like, yeah. could they have drove a car in and people cheered? Yeah, but they're Dodge. So they flew it in on a helicopter. And like, I remember I'd heard stories about the helicopter was having trouble getting off the ground. And so like, it was just me and Chris Jacobs standing on the line and no one else. And this helicopter flies over and I look up and I'm like, I'm going to get crushed by the DC 170. Like, that's how I'm going to go out. Like, I see this car <laughs> swaying up here. I'm like, it could be worse, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
they did a great job. It'd be a hell of a good story moving forward to like tell folks, you know, like I got <laughs> clipped by a car that fell off a helicopter. I, I tell you, man, I felt like challenged by it. I was thinking immediately as I was watching it happen, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to convince somebody. I mean, Spencer Hyde, who won the World Series of Pro Mod, is going to have to be okay with us like pushing his car out of a cargo plane. And then it parachuting slowly to the ground or something. I don't know. I don't know I how expect, we won up that. I expect, I don't think you can, you know, but I, 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 I mean, the challenge, challenge is out there. Okay. Well, thank you, Alex. Well, hey, thank you yeah. so much. Congratulations on all your success. I uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. Get back to work. I know you got to go probably build a hot rod or something. So again, thanks for being a part of this. Congrats. And we'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you. See you guys. Bye, Alex. All right, guys, real quick. I want to remind you that. The West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com. I got a cool little story about Redline real quick that I want to share with you guys because I thought it has been... I need to weave in like more personal stories on these script reads. And one of the things I wanted to share is I heard from a top fuel, uh, a prominent top fuel team over the weekend that perhaps one of the coolest things that they'd ever experienced dealing with an oil company was the, the ear, the offering of an ear uh, that Redline is always willing to do, always willing to listen, always willing to experiment, always willing to try new things. And I just think that's a really cool thing to share. I mean, whenever you've got a top fuel team, uh, I know that a lot of these oil companies are really set in their ways and they do it a certain way and they're never going to uh, vary from that. Um, but it's a really cool thing to hear from a high level top fuel team that the thing that they love the most about Redline is that Redline is an active partner in their race team, like an active member of the team where if they are having something that they want to try or experiment with, the team at Redline Oils is always willing to listen. And it's not like, you know, you do realize that not always do you do they need to listen? They probably need to protect, you know, you from yourself, especially when it comes to racers, um, protect racers from themselves at times, but it is a really cool thing to hear. So keep that in mind when you're making your next, uh, decision regarding lubricants and oils that you want people that are always working, always improving, always listening and paying attention and are willing to be an active member of your team. So log on to redlineoil.com for more information, guys. Uh, we got we got a lot of ground left to cover in, in a in a relatively short amount of time. Mike JT, we haven't touched much on the PDRA East Coast Nationals. We need to do that. We got to talk about all the other uh, young women uh, that were identified as movers and shakers in the sport of drag racing in this month's Women of Power issue. And I, I just want to know more about the voice of God. That's what <laughs> Me I, too. I want to hear I want to hear more details on that, I, dude. So I was trying to achieve something like that at World Series of Pro Mod, where we would have like a separate channel, and it would be like the overall channel, the Voice of God channel that everybody. But then I'm going, okay, everybody's going to have to be carrying two radios or switching channels all the time. People, the the layer of complexity of those events, it, it's it's hard to really wrap your head around. There's a lot going on oh, at any yeah, given time. Sure. It is, yeah. But Alex is—it's so impressive what she's doing, and just so well spoken, and like great analysis of of Dragon Drive and of the the industry stuff that's going on. I mean, that's there, there's there's no coincidence. She's been featured in our Women of Power issue multiple times. I want to say two, three, four times possibly, in addition to other uh, features back when she was driving the Camaro. Uh, but to finally have her on on the cover is well deserved, and I don't think I've ever seen. 
um, her post, our post that we made more positive comments. I haven't seen the, like the first negative comment saying, Oh, this is a joke. This person doesn't deserve it. We get that on almost everything we post, yeah. but everyone, I think everyone can, re can recognize. We talked about putting her on the cover <clears throat> over a year ago. Yeah. You know, when, when yeah, we, we were going to do yeah, this a year ago. Yeah. But and, just, and, but, but think about where she's, <laughs> you know, a lot of times when we put someone on, you know, maybe they're having an outstanding year right. that year, but, uh, and maybe the next year isn't so good. Uh, man, how far has she came in the last year? It's crazy, really. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm really, really proud of it. Yeah, I'm really proud of that because and, oftentimes and, and we can also be proud that we I think we we had her in the magazine when very few people I think had heard of her. Um, yeah. And she this whole this whole movement was just starting. She was very young at that point, And just to see the growth and see now how she presents herself and just getting called to do that Dodge deal. She's on TV. I mean, that's a that's a huge leap. And um and it's all authentic, I think, is, is what the coolest part of it is. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. So for this next portion of the show, while we continue to break down the Drag Illustrated uh, DI-181 Women of Power special issue, let's bring uh, a fresh face, right? This is a big moment here uh, on the you show. Replace me. <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, no you, guys, you guys appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it, there's no pressure here. Let's give it up for Drag Illustrated senior editor, the one, the only Kayla Zadell. Hey, guys. hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming. Uh, yeah. Hey, I know uh, for those that don't know, Kayla joined the team here at Drag Illustrated, what, a year ago? Uh, it was like in July of last year. So okay. coming up on a year. Yeah, not quite a year. Um, but uh, an influencer in her own right outside of the motorsports space has moved uh, a lifelong drag racer, a generational uh, father races, uh, deeply involved in the sport, uh, husband involved in the sport. I mean, you're. We met her husband before we met her. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and for the record, JT, nobody can replace you. So I'm not looking to replace you. Yeah. Stop. Uh, yeah, JT can't be replaced. Uh, but right. no, we're excited to have you. And I told the team that I think it's important that we start highlighting more of the voices here at Drag Illustrated because it's it's way more than just me. It's way more than just myself, Mike, and JT. There's a ton of people here that have great perspective, have a story to tell, have an angle uh, that's unique to them. And you certainly fit the bill, Kayla. So we're glad to have you. And it's uh, I hope this becomes something of a, a recurring theme. We've got Nate Van Wagen, our editor-in-chief at Drag Illustrated, doing his PDRA live show that he does along with Kyle Christ and Scotty Gore from the PDRA. So these things, uh, hopefully we just continue to do more and more of this. Can you give us just kind of your overarching uh, thoughts on the women of power issue? I mean, we have been doing this for uh, over a decade. It's, it's not necessarily new. Uh, and to be honest, we could, and we do, I mean, Erica Enders was on the cover of our Racer of the Year issue, so this is back-to-back -back females on the this cover of the magazine. This is actually the third issue in a row. I was looking at it because we had two females on oh, uh, on the uh, 30 Under 30 cover as well. So this is the third issue in a row with women and it's one on of our cover. most popular issues. I mean, yeah. like that, that, I don't know if there's any copies left of that Lizzie cover, you know, years ago. Yeah. No, I mean, what do you make of it, Kayla? I mean, just this highlight, this moment taken to to recognize women's involvement in drag racing. I love it. And first of all, I want to say thank you for in the inclusion of it. Um, this has been one of my favorite issues to work on so far. And I love how the cover came out. I love how inside of it came out. I think it's beautiful. Um, I love the, the layout and everything. And I also love the women that are featured in it because it's such an inclusive list. It's not just drag racers. 
Um, but it's, you know, women that are working on cars, it's women behind the scenes, it's content creators, it's, it really spans such a wide variety of women that are in motorsports or drag racing today. Uh, that's, I think, probably one of my favorite things about it as well. We touched on that briefly with Alex, and that's been part of the song and dance here for a long time, is that it's not just the people behind the wheel that are difference makers in this sport. I mean, it, it's truly a team sport. The success or failure of any one of these racing vehicles is typically uh, tied directly to a group effort. Oftentimes, a, a half dozen people or more. I mean, in Top Fuel Funny Car, there's like 15 people working on some of these cars. So it's a lot of hands go in uh, to making one of these things go up and down the racetrack. And it's cool to highlight all these different to, all these different people. To your point, um, this year's Women of Power uh, highlights Shelby Williams, uh, Steve Williams' daughter, Taylor Vetter, top alcohol dragster competitor, Sue Cunningham. I love Mama Sue. She's actually a regular watcher of the show here. Um, and she has such a presence. I mean, she shows up at a Midwest Drag Racing Series event or PRI or... Uh, the World Series of Pro Mod, it yeah. has an immediately felt impact. I mean, you cannot, mm -hmm. you can't be on the property and not know that she's there with you. She's someone that uh, celebrates the successes just, of everybody involved. She just texted involved. me and wanted to, wanted to thank us all, and she's honored for being in the DI magazine. Yeah, yeah, she's she's awesome. exactly yeah. the type of person that I think, you know, and I don't mean to stop at, at Mama Sue because the list goes on. Tisha Williams, Angie Smith, Brittany Force, Nicole Elf. Uh, uh, what did I say? Williams. Oh, my bad. What did I? Let me go back. Tisha Wilson. Yeah, Tisha Wilson, yeah, Tisha Wilson uh, Angie Smith, Brittany Force, Nicole Elf, uh, Natalie Torrance. Uh, I, I'm proud of that list, but I, I go back to Mama Sue, because she is really an outlier in that conversation, right? She's the mother of an industry member. She's the mother of a racer. Um, and I just think that that's, you can't, moms and wives perhaps have more impact in this sport than anyone, right? I mean, I look at, I think about how many times I've been to the racetrack and seen a loving wife uh, waving their husband into the staging beams, right? Or uh, an embrace between a daughter and a dad or a, a wife, a husband and wife before bolting into a race car. Like those relationships are so mission critical. And I think oftentimes because they're not the ones letting off the button or pulling the parachutes, it's overlooked. And like, I, I don't mean to put words in anyone's mouth, but I don't, I don't think Tommy Cunningham wants to go racing without his mom being there. Like that's how involved she is in, in the program. Right. And I, I love the story on Mama Sue. I think she says in there that drag racing is a family sport and it really is because even if it's not a woman behind the wheel, we have wives, girlfriends, daughters, nieces, granddaughters, even, you know, they're helping out. I watched uh, the winter nationals and, and somebody that always comes to mind are, the two Gordon sisters, you know, Doug Gordon's oh um, daughters, because I love, you know, I'm, I have an affinity to the alcohol classes, but that's another story. Um, but, you know, they're always there helping out. So it's amazing to see it, that it's such a family sport, right? You know, I wouldn't be into drag racing if it wasn't for my dad. So it's great that us women are out there carrying the torch. I agree, Mike. I mean, I know that this is something that you can relate to as well. Um, it, it really is. I don't like I don't mean to repeat myself, but it, it can't be overstated. Like I know even here at the magazine, 
Like, what do I, I can't do any of this without the support of my wife. You know, she's not in every issue of the magazine or she's not photographed in there all the time or anything. But like one doesn't happen without the other. Mike, I know you feel much the same way. Um, and many well, just think our- about World Series of Promod and our, our staff and our team. I think who was in <laughs> who was in that motorhome is a very diverse group and just as many women as men and wives and daughters. Our whole families were there. So it's it definitely you almost can't enjoy it. You can't uh, fully embrace it if the whole family isn't a part of it. And that's right. the way that's why you see so many families. I think that's why it's it's added to the diversity of the sport. I think I don't have the exact number in front of me, but in our in uh, the new issue, there's an article on celebrating 20 years of right on track, which had a big influence at that time on uh, young women getting into the sport of drag racing. It's the story of uh, Erica and Courtney Enders, um, the, the Disney movie. And there's a fact in there, I think. I'd have to pull it up to, to for an exact quote, but I think at that time it was less than 25%. Yeah, when the movie, I found it, I found it. When the movie yeah. was made, when Right on Track was made, the story of the Ender sisters, about 25% of junior dragster drivers were girls. Mm-hmm. Today, 20 years later, and I have goosebumps, that number is closer to 50. Yeah, I was going to say it's doubled. And, it, and honestly, I think you can apply that to all of drag racing. I mean, wouldn't you say that the, it maybe is not a, a double, it hasn't doubled in percentage, but across all the categories, there are more women racing. We talk about top alcohol dragster. That is just, that's the, the proving grounds for young women that are wanting to make the, the leap into the nitro ranks. And again, we talk about the diversity of drag racing, but just the, the ability for women to compete on the same platform as men and how they've embraced that marketers have embraced that a ton i think that they have gravitated toward the the market they can reach by embracing these young women um all that stuff is is stuff we don't talk about enough in drag racing right like you said it's a whole nother market that you can reach it's a whole nother you know gender that you can appeal to and and yeah, I think it's great. Like you said, the top alcohol dragster class is a proven ground for those females or women that are looking to jump into top fuel. And I mean, we can't forget about our sportsman racers either. I mean, there are a slew of women out there that are sportsmen's racers. I, I wonder sometimes, and this is a, a, an interesting, and I would like to get your perspective on this because we've had conversations here, uh, Kayla, mm-hmm. with Eric Enders and how as her during her like kind of throughout her ascension to i would argue the the absolute peak of drag racing drivers amongst the best to ever do it she never really wanted to be necessarily identified as like the best girl she wanted to be or the best female race car driver she wanted to be identified as the best driver um and i totally agree with that but i oftentimes wonder if we don't celebrate this enough i mean because it's not really happening in any other sport like the nfl doesn't have you know women out on the field with men right mm-hmm. um major league baseball doesn't have women out on the field with men and in most instances the the drop off like the nba and the drop off in fan interest and participation compared to the wnba is like staggering right it's in but interestingly it, though i don't know if you guys were following the college basketball deal this past weekend but with the uh, caitlin clark who's kind of like the steph curry of of women's basketball and the lsu team that actually was the big draw of the weekend was the women's college basketball championship and i saw so many things about I, i've never would have imagined that more people were excited to watch the women's final than the men's final which happened on 
on Monday. It was mm-hmm. kind of a snoozer because UConn was was pretty dominant. So that was really interesting. And 9.9 million people watched that uh, that game on Saturday afternoon. And that's more than an NFL game draws on Amazon for Thursday nights. Well, and I fantastic because it kind of validates what I'm trying to say is that it's this is a big deal, you right. know, like and it's clearly possible. Like it's clearly possible the NCAA women's uh, final uh, championship game is proof positive that it doesn't really if the story's there. Right. If there's a storyline. And I think that that's what was driving the bus on that particular deal is there's some some big stars some involved stars. on both teams and then some controversy. coaches there was some yeah. controversy yeah. i mean there was a lot of cast members right contributing to that moment but i look at and i compare it to the sport of drag racing and i think about like melanie salemi and what she's doing in pdra and like being a world beater in that scene like that's so unusual and what britney force has accomplished as a two-time world champion in nhra top fuel the highest ranks of our sport erica enders i mean five-time world champion that's not happening in any other motorsport where the the women are every bit as competitive and every bit as talented as their their male counterparts i i find it really unique and sometimes i don't know that our sport I mean, maybe we're not excited enough about it. Maybe we're like so we're trying so hard to make it not about that. But maybe we should. Like, maybe it's okay. I think, yeah, it's still some sort of a challenge that we have to face today that it's not such a big deal that, you know, women are going toe to toe with these men that are out there and proving them time and time again. I mean, Erica is a prime example that we can do it better. Right. (laughs) Sorry, but not sorry. Cause it's true, you know? And like you said, no other motorsport out there has this, it's just drag racing. And I do think it needs to be talked about more. And I think it's great that drag illustrated has been doing this. What'd you say? 11 years now putting this issue out there. And I really do think that it has made waves and is going to continue to make waves. Well, I mean, it's, I feel like, and, I, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful because that's probably going to get me in trouble, but it feels like if there's a female involved in any other motorsport, it's gimmicky, right? right. Like there's a, it's like a gimmick. It's like a mm-hmm. sideshow attraction. And how, like, how tragic is that? You know, because right here in drag racing, like to your point, some of the best there are, the best drivers in the game are females. And, but we are almost too nonchalant about it. Right. Right. I think we take it for granted sometimes. And I think it's just because we're so used to it. Right. So I think we need that fresh set of eyes always out there talking about it. They're like, hey, no, we are out there doing this and doing it at an extremely high level. So anyways, let's dive into uh, we talked about the women. We've got uh, the women of power special issue, which I know you penned um, uh, at least one of the features on. I believe the one on Nicole Elf we were talking about earlier in this week, who competed down at the World Series of Pro Mod in the inaugural Mm -hmm. um, Extreme Front Wheel Drive Challenge. Uh, but we've got a lot of racing left to cover here. So if you're willing, you want to dive into some more uh, racing analysis. Kayla, you going to hang out for a few? It's up to you guys. All right. We'd love to have you. <laughs> okay. uh, we, we've got to, I do want to touch on Matt Hagen. You know, let's just close the door on uh, NHRA Pomona. The Winter Nationals um, marked the third straight. Really, really solid outing for the NHRA. Tip of the hat to the market, NHRA's marketing department, everybody that's been involved in, uh, making the magic of this early season happen. We talked about Justin Ashley, talked about Dallas Glenn. Matt Hagen also scored his second win of the year uh, in Pomona. What I thought may be worth noting, and Mike, perhaps uh, you're, you've got a, uh, you're well-versed in some of these other motorsports more so than I am, Haas automation on the side of that car, a, a brand that we are most 
personally I'm most used to seeing in Formula One competition. Is that correct? Yep. So mm-hmm. do you guys think that that's meaningful? Is that significant? I, I do. I actually, I mean, I was actually, uh, we were pulling some photos together for an ad uh, that we're going to have in the next issue and saw the Hoskars, it's a good looking car. And I thought that's a great thing because that's been in NASCAR. That's been an F1. That's a big name. Um, obviously just in the industry with the, with the uh, CNC machines. Uh, but to get that in drag racing, that's probably, uh, I would have to guess that's another thing where Tony was like, Hey, uh, I forget what's, what's Haas, Gene Haas, uh, mm-hmm. that, that owns the company. Have you, have you seen this drag racing stuff I'm doing? This is pretty <laughs> awesome. I know, I know we're partners on this, uh, on this F1 deal or in this, and, and, uh, Stuart Haas racing over here and we got all this going on, but have you seen this drag racing stuff? Man, you should check this out. And next thing you know, you got Haas on the side of the car. So it's another, to me, another trickle down effect of having someone like Tony Stewart involved. That's nothing but positive. And, and we'll see where it goes from here. Right. And to kind of echo you, Mike, it's, it's about time, right, that he made that jump because we see Rick Ware, you know, he's made the jump. We've seen Tony Stewart make the jump. So I was glad to see another NASCAR or F1, you know, sponsor or owner um, make that jump as well into NHRA or drag racing now. I don't know that enough. Can, we we named Tony Stewart, I believe, the ambassador of the year. Yep. Um, another example of that. Another example of that ambassadorship going far beyond like talking nice about drag racing on a television broadcast, like always appreciated, of course. And anytime that he can talk about all the, the great attributes, the sport of drag racing has to offer. I mean, these are big moves, bringing some of these formula one NASCAR brands and companies over to the NHRA walk of life is really, really, really incredible. And what do you think about the value? I don't know. That was, that may have been some kind of trade out partnership deal. I don't know any of the, details of the monetary value of that but just think of the value um that gene hospital is probably seeing on that versus i mean you probably spend as much on that as he does on coffee for for the <laughs> f1 team you right. know before noon on on friday or whatever so it's just it's such a huge difference and i i'm i'm here for it i'm ready to see more of it Right. And for Matt to get the win in that car. I mean, that's just that's awesome. to have. I think I feel like when I was watching Matt's Winter Circle interview, he he didn't like elaborate on it. He mentioned it, you know, mm-hmm. first race out for this Haas car and we put him in the Winter Circle. It, yeah, that to- it wasn't lost on him. The significance of that moment. Right. Because we recognize what this all or what I recognize is that what this really represents in terms of opportunity is changing the drag racing economy. Right. Because that drag racing is still its own kind of unique thing. Right. So many of these teams are uh, funded by uh, a well to do business owner. Right. And mm-hmm. the goal is more about like finding a way to not lose a ton of money, like make it pay for itself, you know, um, minimize the bleeding. Right. Right. <laughs> but I, but then I start seeing moves. That's not the case in NASCAR. People are starting NASCAR teams. Mike and I talked about this off the record earlier in the week, like, or on the phone there's a bunch of charters that came available in NASCAR and like people are gobbling those up because they see it as a business opportunity to make money or buy something that's going to appreciate over the course of time. That, that economy hasn't really existed in drag racing and it's not going to happen overnight, but I don't think it ever would have happened to be honest. If Tony Stewart didn't choose to go drag racing, like, I mean, I think that he may well hold the key that that single individual to a whole new era of drag racing, which has its 
has pluses and minuses. Like I think that there are people that would argue that it's potentially problematic because if a bunch of this Formula One or NASCAR IndyCar money arrives in drag racing, it may well mark the end of some of these lesser funded independent teams. But I, I almost feel to some extent that that may be the cost of progress. That's always been the case, though, in the fuel ranks. Yeah. I'm good. I don't want to see something like Haas show up in a pro mod or something because that's been the problem there. And it really would upset the apple cart to me even more so than it already has in pro mod. But we almost need to get back to some of these mainstream sponsors in the fuel classes like you know, we used to have the beer wars. We had, you had every had McDonald's, right? Brute, Skull. Uh, I mean, all these Copenhagen, all these tobacco companies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're all yeah. gone. And now it's, it's mainly, I mean, we got like DHL and, and a few things like that, but it's but that's mainly a B2B deal, B2B, right? Yeah. It yeah. B2B or automotive parts. Uh, so more, the more mainstream, the better. And, and I say that we need to welcome that stuff. And that's another thing that Tony can bring. And yeah. one of the JT's, uh, JT, bring yourself back in here because JT typically has a really strong uh, opinion on this. This is something that him and I kind of have gone back and forth on. What JT, if he had to, I'm putting words in your mouth, T. What, I'm scared what he's going to say next. I, I have no idea, JT. I don't either. Well, one of the things that JT <laughs> has told me that he doesn't like about drag racing is how often the best drivers don't have the best rides right? Because yeah. they don't, they, like, he gets frustrated and we've had these conversations where it's like, dude, that guy's all you talk about is how good he is. Like, why isn't he in one of these high level cars? And it's like, well, because he doesn't have any money. You, you I know, know and that's, and that, and that's, and it's bullshit. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it really is like, you should be working towards like, if you're, if you're the best driver out there, somebody ought to be paying attention and pulling you over and going, you know, you need to come here and race for us and we're going to give you the, the best stuff. And, I mean, that's what you in any sport. That's what you're working towards. So that's that's. But that's drag racing yes. by and large doesn't really have that. I mean, you were just talking about F1. Like you have a bad day there. You may not be on the team next week. You know, like, you know, <laughs> and, and so, but that, that identifies that's that shows the other side of the, the coin. Right. It's leading edge or bleeding edge. So we have to be careful what we wish for to a certain extent, because for me, and this is a fun conversation to have. Is it good or bad, right? Part of it is good that I don't have to be, like if I've got the money to go Nitro Funny Car Racing, I can go tomorrow, right? You, you know, I mean, it's, it's doable. But that is also kind of part of the problem because it shouldn't be about whether or not you have the money to do it. It should be about whether or not you have the talent to do it. Right. Right. And, it's kind and, of a and, double-edged and that, sword. And that, and that bleeds over into the spectators, I think, you know, when, when you're watching it, like, you know that, you know, Michael Jordan's the goat or whatever, and he's going up against whoever that that week, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not that Michael had a bunch of money, <laughs> you know, he does now, you know, but it, it's, you, you know what I mean? It's, you're watching the best of the best. And, and I think that's what, when we watch sports, that's what we want to see. Right. But oftentimes in our sport, it's not about having the best driver. It's about being like, Hey, I'm paying, I'm the one spending all the money. So I'm the one stomping on the loud pedal period. And I don't, and I don't blame them. I don't need that. You know, like I, I, I also don't understand that being a car owner. Like if I'm spending the money, I'm driving that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's, and I think that's a lot of what happens. And that's why yeah. this, this issue that you're talking about JT, a lot of these guys are like, I'm, I'm driving this thing. I'm not getting a, I'm not going to invest all this money. And then even though this driver may be better than me, hell no, I'm driving this thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think that, that's, that, that, of, and that's a stepping stone or, yeah. or that's, that's the fine line. You know, are we going to, 
do we want to go out and crush everybody's soul and be like, you know, the team to beat? Or are we just going to, you know, just keep chugging along here with uh, spending the money and me driving? You know, I guess, I mean, that is, it's, there's a line there. Could it be argued that other sports have done a better job identifying, turning, you mentioned the LSU game, the, the LSU-Iowa basketball game. I don't know the lady's name. My wife would tell you the one that dresses all flamboyantly that's the coach of LSU. But uh, she's like a superstar Kim, famous person. Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey. I never like, I never heard of her until the start of this past weekend. Okay. And she's and they did like this highlight reel of all her outfits and how she's she's like a psychopath on the court, oh, yeah, and like yelling <laughs> at the refs and stuff. I'm like, how does this how does she not get ejected? She looks like she needs to be uh, coaching cheer or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I bring that up because and we we this is something that we didn't execute at World Series of Promod that I would like to execute moving forward. But here's the thing. Drag racing can contribute to this, in my opinion. Like, we can contribute to solving this, is we have to, as a sport, make being a crew chief, make being a team owner a more celebrated role, right? Because there's a lot of team owners, and there's a lot of crew chiefs, but the only ones that most people really know are like Alan Johnson, Right. Um, Austin Coyle, who's been retired for a decade. Um, team owner wise, it's Connie Coletta and Don Schumacher. But like, there's a lot of people in those roles. And I think as a sport, we should probably like maybe the ball, I'm going to pass the buck or put the pressure on NHRA. I thought about this. We should make sure that when a team wins, uh, and they've started to do this because of Tony Stewart's involvement, right? But like when Matt Hagen wins, Tony Stewart needs to hit the media center. You know, they need yeah. to have him in front of a microphone. And the same goes for every other team owner. When Clay Milliken qualifies number one, put a camera on Rick Ware, right? Because yeah. I think that that's something that happens in other sports that doesn't happen in ours, right? Like the coach, after a Patriots game, Bill Belichick's going to the podium. Like it's not a, you're not wondering if you're going to hear right. from Bill Belichick. You're going to hear from Bill Belichick. And it's Dana White. At after before and after almost every UFC event, you hear from the president. You know his yeah. his there's perspective just more on media it. Too. What there's he just thought. More, I feel like that's that goes back to there's more resources, there's more media to handle all of that, and more more time to fill. Like yeah, let's get the owner, let's get the let's get the coach, let's get all this, and we just don't have that in drag racing. It's like all right, we have three seconds here before this next car fires up. Right. Let's get the crew chief. That's it. Or let's get a top end interview with the driver. And it's very limited. And then it just it's it's off and it's over. And that's where we talk about shows like this and the other podcasts that have that have popped up and and the other ways we talk about the sport in between races where they just have that covered in these other sports and have so many gaps to fill. So they want to talk to these guys. And I'm not and, saying, you know, and that there is there's some great, you know, some some of the best of the best, you know, drag racers where, where they need to be. You know, what I guess what I'm saying is, you know, and you're talking about the mainstream sponsors and stuff. And maybe that's where that's where you lose the ball a little bit is that some of those guys probably don't want to jump on board with a team that's just going out and not winning and not, you know, that doesn't have maybe the best driver in the seat, you know? So, I mean, you know, all that, all that works together. I think, you know, you, you have to have everything in place for all that to, to work. Right. It's such a balance and it can be a double-edged sword too. Right. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think all roles, especially owner, crew chief, needs to be celebrated or, you know, there needs to be some light shown on them. I think this is something, too, you would see more celebrated if we had the Netflix drive to survive type 
uh, yeah. documentary behind the scenes. That's where you see, that's where you sit down and see all these owners and every, all these other non-driver uh, team members get their due and you kind of become fans of them and you start to watch the sport more because of these other personalities and people that are involved. And, and that's, again, that's another reason why we need something like that, which we hear is possibly in the works. I've heard, we've heard rumors from various sources of some various, some different things that are in the works. I think NHRA recognizes that NHRA is really the only uh, group in our sport that it would have the resources to pull off something like that or something close. So I think it's, it's on them to, to sort of get that ball rolling in my opinion. I agree. And I think that I will like issue that challenge to NHRA because I think that they can contribute, but what we have to do is like reverse engineer. Everybody goes into these deals with looking, everybody derives value in different ways, but I do think that we can kind of set this this whole conversation headed in the right direction. If there was a constant, a focused effort to celebrate these other stakeholders, not just the drivers, because if NHRA, we may find that what I believe and I, and I'm like speaking in crazy generalities here, but motorsports, drag racing, it's an ego thing, right? Me, 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 talk about me, put me on camera, interview me, talk about me. Like, I know that the thrill of racing obviously has a, has a, is part of it. I totally understand that the sensation, the acceleration, the adrenaline, all those things definitely are part of it. However, if NHRA could start to reverse engineer that, Hey, our team owners are going to be celebrities. Our crew chiefs are going to be celebrities, not just the men and women behind the wheel, but we are going to make a focused effort to turn team owners and crew chiefs into superstars over the course of time. Not something that happens immediately. It happens. You, you start this process in 2023. I think, and I think we've you, tried you to start that, we, with Tuner of the Year and, yes. you know, mm-hmm. you know and, and the DI Awards. Um, and I think you need that. You know, that's your your coach of the year and your yeah, but if you know, and for me yeah. if i'm just i don't i can't name anybody because it'll piss someone off but if i'm like a team <laughs> owner team owner driver right if i'm a team owner team owner driver and it's like well known that maybe i'm kind of the weak link right i'm the one with the bank account but i've got the best of everything but uh, you know i'm not and, and here's name the names bro i know <laughs> you know the point i'm trying to make we if we can make being a team owner and or a whatever a celebrated role where you're going to get plenty of airtime and you're going to get a microphone put in your face, you know, and you're going to get to go to the press center. Maybe they would get out of the way a little sooner because right now, I mean, if you're going to, I mean, if you're going to get on TV drag racing, you're probably going to need to drive a nitro car and you're going to need to, you know, you're going to need to win or blow up. Right. So if, if NHRA or Fox or whomever, started to put a little bit more onus and and followed like our lead to be honest with you um that i think would be significant i mean i think richard there's a comment here from facebook richard freeman pro stock i mean are any other team owners in pro stock even could you name could anybody name them obviously there's not a bunch of them um but like i don't think you could even identify i i don't know that there is a more visible team owner in pro drag racing right now than Richard Freeman, John Force. I mean, Don Schumacher has is no longer really a, a, a regularly visible person um, at the racetrack. Still has a small, you know, share of of a team, but uh, Connie Coletta, you know, still at least known. But he, you know, he's Jim uh, Dunn. And, and I think about 
honestly, in my opinion, in the fuel ranks, Jim Dunn gets as much camera time as any team owner because he's up there. He, he starts the burnout and he stages them up. And so does Richard Freeman. He stages up all the elite team cars and, and that gets him a good, a good bit of camera time as well. Mm -hmm. And it makes him available for those interviews. You kind of, it, it's on, it goes both ways. You've got to make yourself. Available. Well, and I, I've had that conversation with Richard, you know, where I told him like, Hey man, if you want to be a central part of the story, you've got to be, you've got to make that conscious decision to be a central Wes, part of the story. Wes. <laughs> i don't give up about any interviews and it's like nah, i get you're gonna say that right because that's the story that's the shtick but that stuff makes a difference and and i tell my like i teach it it's one of the things that i preach like the quicker you can become famous in your industry or a celebrity of any kind in your industry the the easier life will be your sales will go every part of your life will get easier you're you, you, people will take your calls. People will rep reply to your emails. They will reply to your texts. Like that's important. So building that celebrity, I just think it's something that could be looked at and maybe will have a long-term positive impact on the sport of drag racing. If we can make that role a little more celebrated, maybe we will have guys retire. You know what I mean? I mean, Hey, you know, here's one that comes if to you mind. Want, you want to retire and you want to stay at the track. Cause that's the problem, right? When, when they, when they lose interest or when they get out of the driver's seat, they, they don't want to go anymore. I ain't a good I mean, spectator. Get, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we talked about it. It's exactly. Times. That's exactly yep. what it is, man. You're it's so true. They want to drive until literally they're it, in a it wheelchair. It's a lot of work, you know? Yeah. But and I mean, think about John force, right? I mean, I think that John's in the, what do they call it? The twilight, uh, the twilight of his career. No doubt. He is the goat. I don't know that there's any anybody who's contributed to drag racing success or whatever, wherever we're at as a sport, more so than John Force. But I think he recognizes that, man, I'm not really in a game where being a coach or someone on the sideline is going to move the needle, right? I mean, he needs to be behind the wheel. I mean, we've off, we've argued before that NHRA needs him to drive. They need him to be visibly involved. Right, because he is he has significant they had, they star had power. All the apples in the John Force basket for so long. Yeah, but so how do we, you know, how do we put John in a situation where it's just as interesting and just as exciting to have him as a team owner? And I think it starts with sticking a camera in his face, right? I mean, yeah. sticking a camera in his face when he's standing behind Britney's car. Stick a camera in his face when he's standing behind Austin Prox's car. I was thinking Heist's about that, car. man. I, when I, I was watching an HRA TV when that whole deal happened with, with uh, J.R. Todd, and you know, I'm thinking, oh, man, this is this is bad. This is terrible. Then I started thinking, you know, this is this is not terrible. And I bet John is looking at it that way. It is, if you're J.R. Todd, it is from a monetary standpoint, but from an exposure standpoint, they interviewed John and John's just kind of talking like, you know, everything's all right or whatever. And John, I know John's thinking, well, yeah, that kind of sucks. And that, that was a bad deal, but I, I I'm going to be the reason that this is on ESPN later. And sure enough. Yeah. There, I, and I said it, I said it to my wife. I said, watch, this is the only kind of stuff that gets drag racing on ESPN is if it's John force or if it's, if it's crash or if it's explosion, or if it's a combination of those, then hell yeah, it's definitely getting on, uh, ESPN or Sports Center, and sure enough, there it was. So, you know, it's it's only the bad stuff that gets us the exposure, uh, unfortunately, and we've got to change that too. I yeah, agree. that's too bad. Like Britney's for forces runs could have made it on Sports Center, Sports Center last year. You know, for all the records yeah. she broke, and it's just you know too bad that they didn't make it on there. But 
Um, yeah, not sure. I, not sure what I missed. Uh, the internet's been in and out here today in Indiana because of the storms and stuff that's coming through. But oh, is there bad weather out that way? Yeah, we've had like tornado warnings and stuff. So yeah. Dude, I took yeah, Matt. It was my little here. boy's birthday. He's not so little. He's like a foot taller than I am now. Max turned 15 on Sunday. And I took him to an escape room in downtown Fort Worth. And dude, tornado sirens started. And I'm like, is that a fire truck? And I looked at Max and Max like, I don't think that's a fire truck, Dad. And I'm like, oh, it's part of the escape room. It's part of the yeah, I know. <laughs> that's what you're thinking. We're a mile away. And they're like, oh, my God. Is they're, this like, already they're like, evacuate. Yeah. And you're in an escape room. <laughs> Like, I'm trying. Uh, that's kind of a pit. Next time you need to ask, like, what's the plan if if a tornado hits this deal? Like, where where are we going? You know We're what? Now I think I'm gonna have room. to. I, I think I may have to do that moving forward. You know, that's kind of crazy uh, to be honest. But no, anyways, I do think that that's we talk about a lot about changing the economy of drag racing, where there is a what do they always say? Like the quickest way to become a millionaire in drag racing is to start out as a multimillionaire. Right. You know what I mean? Because you're going to lose all your money going racing. And at some point, if we really want this sport to to grow, we have to find a way to change that that return on investment. Right. I mean, we're going to have to find a way to make it a valuable thing to own a pro drag racing team. Like people can't buy an NFL team fast enough, can't buy an NBA team fast enough. Like it because it's a fantastic investment it's going to rapidly appreciate it's a money-making endeavor and i do think that drag racing to be honest especially at the highest levels nhra in many ways this sport has has succeeded in spite of itself right didn't like UFC, i mean didn't ufc just buy wwe for yeah like yeah. Well, no, the almost 10 company. billion dollars their parent like company did yeah mm-hmm. the parent endeavor yeah. bought it endeavor, and so now yeah. they're basically part of a of a of a conglomerate right but it's that's valued at like $21 billion. So, I mean, the point, in my opinion, is I wonder if at some point the fact that the NHRA is a nonprofit, that that contributes to this conundrum that we're talking about, right? Because it's about making money. I, I don't care what anybody says. We're all passionate. We're all excitable folks. We all love this stuff. But at the end of the day, like when the rubber meets the road, it can't just be an L indif- indefinitely. I think the sport of drag racing, and again, I'm not. I'm, I, we've got to be careful of like lumping everybody in. That's part of the magic of what we do. But specifically at the pro ranks, the highest levels of drag racing, we have been way That's too reliant though, for way too long that. on the philanthropic efforts. Like, man, thank God Don Schumacher really loves drag racing. Thank God Connie Coletta really loves drag racing, right? Right. And, but that's the difference though. Like what is the top? Because you talk to someone that's down here racing pro stock, that's where they want to be, you know? And then, then you got the fuel ranks and, you know, so, so you know, what, what is the top and, and is there a way to work up to that? And you, you see what I'm saying? Like for the spectator, Do you watching, think that the success of, of no it, prep Kings, to, right. To sell is it, the like, success of no prep Kings and the, 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 the enthusiasm that exists around that style of racing and all this clamoring to get in the show. I mean, we saw guys build cars, buy cars, travel around the country, trying to earn their way onto the show. They're yeah, doing they that were, because they yeah. know it's a good investment, right? Yeah. If right. they get on and, the and show... And they weren't doing it to go to the They're going to make money. You know, you know or, or the Friday night show, you know, they're wanting to be on the show. You know, they're wanting to be in the invitational. So I, And they're willing know, to go put to, in the time. In the work to work their way up and you have one class basically at the top. 
No, it's a very interesting conversation that I think honestly could go on a long time, but it, it, it really is fun to talk about. So anyways, yeah, let's how the hell um, did we even get on that conversation. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about at, the I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> Looking at my notes here, I don't see anything about all that, but you that was good. Yeah. You don't look at the notes, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that I spent all this time on I this show he rundown. Types, he types up these notes and he's like, and he gives them to you, you know, like what three minutes before the show's ready, yeah. getting ready to go on. And, and I didn't even open this time. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> JT JT is the uh, the uh, oh, what's up. the word? I can't think of the word. The contrarian, right? He's not. He's not gonna. He's not gonna look at these notes. You know, no. you know, you know, we're not. I, I think we're on. I think we're on closing thoughts and post takeaway. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, real quick, I bullet do want to just give a shout out. Let's G. let's do a selfish thing. Let's talk about how well our World Series of Pro Mod drivers did at the PDRA season opening East Coast Nationals. Does that sound good? Let's yeah. do that. Yes. So uh, we'll start at the top. Um, well, you know, Pro Boost and Pro Nitrous, depending on who you ask. Um, Incredible car counts. Were you surprised by the car counts, Mike? I mean, 18 cars in Pro Nitrous, 25 cars in Pro Boost. Speaking to the strength of Pro Modified across the uh, across the country, Melanie Salemi taking the top spot in WS Construction Pro Boost uh, with a 358 at 206. Yep. Really, really stout run uh, from that team. But they always have a great turnout at Goliath. I feel like for the first for the season opening race indoor Slammer Country. Uh, everybody's eager to get out there. Um, so no surprise there. I, the, the numbers they were running, the weather was really good, uh, for a couple of days and it, it changed a lot. It changed dramatically throughout the weekend, but, um, yeah, it's, they've, it's, it's interesting to compare the performances of the, of the boosted cars at PDRA versus what they ran at world series with our slightly different rule set. So that was, uh, you know, interesting to me. What, what do you think about that, Wes? Um, I was, to be honest with you, I, I mean, you know, because I was like freaking out. I'm like, holy crap. Like these things are, everybody's going so fast. Like yeah. it, it, it seems, but we tried to keep them out of the, the conditions. We, uh, yeah, yeah. We tried to keep them out of the fifties. And I think it's for that reason. I mean, if you look at the pro nitrous spread with, which both fields were just incredible and so tight, just like, it's kind of like what we would saw in world series where you had so many cars separated by by such a small spread, but you look at the gap that exists there between the nitrous cars and the, the boosted cars, and you're seeing a little bit more of a gap than you saw at world series. And that's what we were shooting for, obviously with a combined format. So pretty proud of that, but and not to jump around too much, but pro nitrous, I think we're seeing the effect of these slightly bigger engine combinations. I think we saw on the sheet, 973, 974, 975 listed as far as the cubic inches, um, from these guys taking the 959 uh, with the new crank and rods and making them a little bit bigger. And I think we're seeing that pay off. I think we saw like Ricky Smith went out there and laid down some some really good runs uh, for him because he, he's not a traditional outlaw racer. Uh, he's he's much more uh, attuned to, you know, running his stuff. No, he, he doesn't want to tear anything up. He's he's there for the long haul. Um, but to, I think he qualified second, right? Second or third. Yeah, he qualified set or third with a 364 with an eight, mm -hmm. like 206, like really, mm -hmm. really, really strong run. I count five of those new 970 yeah. plus uh, cubic inches on the qualifying sheet. And to your point, like we've said this a lot, but I do think it's almost unbelievable how many cars there are in the country of various configurations, screw blower, roots blower, pro charger, turbo, nitrous that can run mid 360s. 
And that's what we've yeah. been saying all along is that there's just a massive inventory of cars that can run 365, 66, 67. I mean, there's just a tremendous amount of those cars. But to your point, I mean, it took a 364 with a four to qualify in Pro Boost. Yeah. I mean, that. And, and Ricky was what, a 364 with a With what? an eight and qualified number three. Right. Yeah. And you know so you I mean? see, so, you see quite a difference there. And uh, shout out to Jay Cox for qualifying number one. And it, we had an interesting quote card from Jim Halsey that I saw that we posted a little bit ago where he, he noted that it, the, the competition has, has stepped up around him this year. I think everybody's gunning for him. A lot of the ways we talked about the whole elite versus KB deal. I think everybody's like, all right, we got to figure something out here. We need something because Halsey with his four championships in a row um, and, and you're seeing those guys grouped up around him. He's still got the win. He's still, he's still, you know, out there. Uh, collecting those trophies but it's going to be interesting this season to see how it plays out with these guys that have maybe found a little bit more power to compete with him listen i'm as big a jay cox fan as there is but i think jim halsey like i i felt I, this felt violent to me like this felt <laughs> to me personally it felt personal like because i'm watching this whole thing unfold and i'm like okay jimmy's got some He's got some competition, man. Jay Cox got a hot rod. Ricky Smith got a hot. I mean, there's a lot of really fast cars. But then just watching how well he executed in in, in eliminations, like holy moly, his reaction times. Um, it was a double red light in the first round. Uh, Jim Halsey and Cam Clark, who's watching along right now, shout out Cam Clark for being okay. a part of that badass 16 car field out there. But Cam, you uh, better Cam get ready for Big Dog tomorrow night. I know, and I got a, such you a sweet. Mike? I don't know. I might go. Well, well actually, would I don't you know go? The weather, the weather is not because I got such a nice happy. email from the lady that runs the racetrack. Oh yeah, she sent an email and invited us to come. And I thought, man, what a what a world we live. We got in. an we open got invitation over there at Big. I Dog, know, man. but it just made me feel you good. Awesome. Like, yeah, you should I mean, go. Oh, you'll, weather you'll does look good. Yeah, weather's not coming into. Yeah, you make an excuse later that the weather's too hot. So you. Yeah, it's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be, like, you know, I have a real small window of, of, of operating I'd environment. <laughs> I just look at the runs that Jim Halsey made 367 oh, with a zero open round. Um, oh. Then we had Jim Halsey goes 64 with a nine with a perfect reaction time in E2. E3 goes back up there. 016 on the Christmas tree, 366 with a one wins the race over Tommy Franklin, 364 with a six. I just, I knew they tore up a lot of stuff. They had some mechanical issues that is fairly unusual for that team. But to see them fight adversity and still just look like world beaters, I, Jim Halsey, I do earlier at one point last year, we talked about like the Mount Rushmore of Pro Mod drivers. And I, I perhaps mistakenly excluded Jim Halsey. Oh, you heard this guy. Am I, I mean, this guy is a, is a, is a godlike figure out here at this point in time. And I, I don't know. They're gonna. They better all pack a lunch. I mean, God bless Jay Cox and and Chris <laughs> Reaney and everybody involved. Um, but they're they're gonna pack have their hands light full. in one in each holster. Did you see? I see that that uh, guy that goes. <laughs> uh, is it Brian? His Brian guy or something? Yeah, yeah. Was dressed up as as Halsey, and he had a belt on with uh, cup holders on either side. Had a Coors Light and he. <laughs> Double uh, barrel. That's funny. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I just massively impressive uh, weekend of performance uh, out there at the East Coast Nationals Pro Boost. Uh, equally incredible. These rounds of racing were 
ah, just it, it, all hitters. Joe Albrecht, Sp Prince Preston Tanner, Spencer Hyde, Randy Weatherford. I was super proud of how well all of our uh, World Series of Pro Mod invitees uh performed what, out in, there reminded me of of how good these guys really you are you said the bump was 364 with a four in pro uh, boost 364 with a four yeah kenny lang on the bump mm. how about spencer hyde with the sticker on the back of the trailer yeah the, that, the, the what a deal right i felt yeah. um you just feel flattered. I feel flattered. I don't know. Like I just, when I saw that and then I was here and just to see all the outpouring of support and, and adoration or whatever for Spencer Hyde, I just thought that was a really cool deal. That was calculated on our end. Like we want it to be a big deal. Like we want it to be a life-changing experience to win the world series of pro mod. And I think that like the fanfare that, that Spencer enjoyed out there and the cameras and people taking his picture and interviewing him and Tara Bowker texts me that, um, longtime drag illustrated photographer that shoots all the PDRA races for us. She said, whenever Spencer entered the media center, um, she uh, stood and clapped and encouraged others to do the same. And I thought, <laughs> that's, that, awesome. that's awesome. That's yeah. really, really cool. I saw them when they rolled that thing that out. Way. It looked like it was pretty stripped down. Like they had to take it apart probably to get some of that champagne out. Yeah, the doors were probably sealed shut. <laughs> <laughs> <This stuff. laughs> yeah. He, Spencer said he had to Sorry. wax the car like three or four times to get it back. Sorry right. about that, Spencer. But it was worth it. That's a tough deal. It really was. I And uh, I saw Dylan Voss in the comments here talking about Extreme Pro Stock. I, I think that Extreme Pro Stock started the year strong and is 17 cars at the opener. Really, really impressive turnout. Um, Chris Powers, number one, 405 with a zero. I mean, we're still waiting on one of these cars to click off a three-second pass in competition. Uh, it, it's going to happen one of these days, I'm sure. But just a really, really uh, impressive turnout. It was cool to see some fresh faces in the final round. Dwayne Rice, Dylan Voss. Uh, Dwayne Rice uh, getting the job done, 410 with a two, taking out uh, Dylan, uh, who was uh, slightly off the pace, definitely had a car the capable of winning. He'd been 4-0s throughout the, throughout the day uh, and definitely had a hot rod, but man, took out the the reigning champ in the second round of action. Went double o five against Johnny P, right? Uh, just really, I mean, because that's that to me went four o eight with a zero wins on a whole shot. Johnny goes four o six with a zero. That that may have been one of the highlight rounds of racing, uh, in my opinion. But just an absolutely strong start, in my opinion, for the for the PDRA. Three hundred and thirty cars were on the property by lunchtime on Thursday, according to, to Tyler Crossnow. Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys to kind of wrap up the show, and I want to remind everybody again, thanks for being a part of this. Help us spread the gospel of drag racing. Click like, click share, click subscribe if you're watching along on YouTube. But, uh, what do you make of that car? I mean, is there a healthier organization in drag racing right now in terms of participation? Man, it'd be hard-pressed to, hard to find. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and everybody over there, they look at it as a family, I think. You know, mm -hmm. so... So it's almost like a reunion when they get to go racing again. You may go to a race where there are more cars, but the quality of cars and yeah, the, they're all nice. the, combine, the combination of quality and quantity, I don't think that there's anything. I sent Tyler Crossnow a text on Thursday or Friday, and I told him, I said, hey, man, I hope you're as proud of this um, as, as you should be because there's 300-some-odd race teams there, and like every one of them's got a half-million dollar tow rig. <laughs> every one of them... You know what I'm saying? Like that's, yeah. I mean, it. I I bet there was, I mean, there's probably twenty million dollars worth of tow rigs at in Benson, North Carolina, on Saturday. 
Oh yeah, PDRA. That's the one thing they definitely have covered is is total value of tow rigs on the property at any time. They got that covered. <laughs> I mean, it is bananas. I mean, I would be like, you roll in there. Like we always cheer on these guys showing up with an open trailer, right? It's cool and it's vintage. It's kind of badass and outlawy, but like. They won't let you that, in the gate. They'll just they'll look at you. You're going to a PBRA race <laughs> without yeah, like you're a the wrong, you're the wrong track, man. The wrong track, bro. <laughs> you, <laughs> buddy, you, you must be looking for George Ray's. <laughs> yeah, man, you ain't, you ain't gonna fit in here. Yeah, because uh, it's like whose pit do you hang out at? Everybody's got like a super nice rig and badass air conditioning. I remember no when I grew up racing, Convoy one or two guys, yeah. one or two guys had air conditioning, air conditioning in their trailer, and you knew who they were because that's where everybody was eating lunch. That's where everybody was hanging out between rounds or after the race is over. Um, I mean, it was like an. I remember my dad got uh, an air conditioner, a, a rooftop air conditioner we, for his never, enclosed trailer. We never had air conditioning in our trailer. We, we had felt, those vinyl strips, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, like the door, and we, we, it we was felt as poor. if we felt poor at PDRA. We had to leave the back door down to try to get some air going. They're like, <laughs> "Put your door up, put your back door up." We're like, "No, dude, we don't have AC." They're like, "What? what the hell are you doing, man? Rednecks, rednecks out here amongst the the PDRA." Oh man, elite. it's so funny. We felt literally when we got a rooftop air conditioner that would half ass. We were so ghetto back then. We would actually we put those vinyl. Uh, what is it? you know, the strips across the sides and we'd put Brothership. like that makeshift curtain up mm -hmm. because we could only keep like the front eight foot of the trailer really cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you had to like section off the back of the trailer and be like, hey man, if you've got to go sit back there, best of luck to you. We used you to know? get their living room. Yeah. <laughs> it's with our window air conditioner. You know? Yeah, man. It's, oh my goodness. It Those has are... changed so much if you think about that because it wasn't, you know, in the like, let's say mid 2000s, man, it was very rare to still to see someone that had an air conditioned rig. And now it's like, just don't show up without one. I mean, if you, sh if you had a trailer that had a small living quarters in it, you were balling. Like, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? You were literally living the good life. If you had, I remember thinking it was a big deal to get an air mattress for the goof snack of my dad's trailer and not have to sleep on aluminum, you know? <laughs> it's, it was really really funny who's picking on me here back then a lot of drivers were still rolling around with an open car trailer Wes. oh yeah yeah yeah. we're still okay good i'm glad that somebody are i thought he said they're taller than you wes and i'm like well that's true too probably <laughs> all right guys well hey kayla thanks for being a part of it uh this week i hope we get to have you back on here if you guys haven't checked out the latest issue of drag illustrated magazine log on to dragillustrated.com. very proud of the fact that you can check out the entire magazine search it for your name or a friend's name uh for free Log on to dragillustrated.com, click that cover, and you can check out the entire magazine. Of course, if you'd like to get it in your mailbox, it's a pretty easy process as well. Log on to the site and subscribe. Guys, thanks for being a part of it. Shout out to all of our sponsors, Flow Racing, Stroud Safety, Redline Synthetic Oils, Racers Club. Uh, thanks for being a part of it, guys. What a day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having Good me. Good times. Thanks, guys. We got to talk more. Uh, we we got more Jim Halsey talk, I think, next week. We, we owe him more, personally. <laughs> yeah, I need to have the more. daddy shark on here. Well, you know what? He'll come on and be like, hey, man, how about that weekend? Yeah. And, and like, it was a lot. And he'd be like, yeah, <laughs> oh, no. crushed it. You crushed know, it. it's like, oh, come on, Jim. You know, like talk thanks some to, shit. Thanks to Gene Fulton, Stacey Hall. Yeah, he gives the world's shortest speeches at the PDRA <laughs> banquet every year. And it's like become an event four years in a row. And I think he spent like a total of six minutes. It. No, no, no. It was 42 seconds or something. We climbed. Yeah. We, we had a stopwatch going, Jim. Yeah. Shout out to the team. He does everything. Everybody quick. works really hard. 
and we will continue kicking everybody's ass. And it's fast, yeah. Yeah, until <laughs> next time. All right, guys. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate it. Later, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks. See ya. I don't have any music this time. You know. Dun, dun, dun.